0: My name is Pastor Chris. We're glad that you're here, especially if you're a guest of ours. I pray a few things. I pray that you feel the, our love towards you as you're here today, that you just feel something different, and it's a difference that Jesus has made in our lives. But more than that, I pray that you feel the presence of God as we're together and that uh, you would just have a life-changing encounter with him today, whatever that looks like. Well, we are in the middle of really, uh, are at the end of a series of messages um, that we've been walking through since Easter Sunday. The Lord had just put these— A few messages on my heart, and we're calling it the genius of Jesus because here's what I know, God's word declares it, that Jesus is the wisdom of God on display. Whenever we see Jesus, we see the brilliance, the majesty of heaven, the very word that spoke the universe into creation, the very word that holds and sustains all things, became flesh and blood and lived among us. His name was Jesus And when we hear from him, when we saw him, whenever we read the word and the accounts of his life, we see the genius of Jesus, the wisdom of God on display. And so we're learning just some key principles from that, that I believe when we apply them to our lives, it can unlock something, it can transform us, and it can change us. You know, there's been a main passage of scripture, a main verse found in the book of Isaiah that's really brought my mind to this series of teachings, and It's found in Isaiah 55, and this is what the prophet Isaiah declares. The Lord is speaking through him and says this. Hear this today. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Are you with me? And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do we understand that this morning, church? This is what the Lord speaks and what he wants us to know. And I think it's so important that we grasp this truth and this idea and understanding that the Lord's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that his ways are higher than our ways. The Bible says that there's a way that in a man's mind seems to lead to life, but it's actually a way that leads to death. There's a way that can seem right to us in our own mind, in our own thoughts, but that may have nothing to do with God's thoughts or God's ways. Are you with me still? Here's why we need to allow the truth of this word to rest in our hearts. Because there's a danger, and I believe we often fall into this trap, that we start to think that our thoughts are equal to God's thoughts. That God's thoughts are on, in line with our thoughts, and God's ways are always in line with our ways. That God thinks the way that we think, and that he acts the way that we act. That's very dangerous, are you with me? The whole purpose of following Jesus is not to try to get him to start to think like us, but for us to have the mind of Christ and begin to think like him. It's not to get him to kind of act the way we think he should be acting, but it's to say, Lord, how do I bring my life under your lordship and leadership? How can I learn your ways, not try to get you to get on board with my ways? I think we're suffering as a culture where we start to miss this, and we start to think that we have a God who thinks the way that we think and acts the way that we act, and I'm telling you, that's not the gospel. Jesus flips everything on its head, and what he does and what he teaches and what he calls us to is beyond our comprehension. So we have to just continue to learn, Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And today, my desire and my prayer is I want to know your thoughts, and I want to walk in your ways. Will you make that your prayer with me this morning? Lord Jesus, that's our prayer. Lord, teach us your heart. Teach us what you see and what you think and what you know, and lead us in your way, Lord God. We thank you and we love you, Lord. We just give you this word and pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll speak directly to our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to Mark's Gospel, the book of Mark, chapter eight. The book. What we find here is we actually find a story that we're going to dive into for just a few moments this morning that this story is found in multiple other versions of uh, the gospel accounts it's found in matthew it's found in luke and it's this account where jesus is spending time with his disciples they have traveled all the way up to the northern part of israel and whenever they're there they go to a place called caesarea philippi this place caesarea philippi uh, is a place that I've been to. If you ever go to Israel with us on one of our trips, we'll be there. We'll, we'll check it out. We'll We'll be present. The last trip we took last year, we were there. And we got to see the very area that Jesus and his disciples were at when we come to this passage this morning. And as he's there, this was a place that was bustling with worship of all kinds of different gods. There were different temples that were built there and all kinds of crazy things happening as people were trying to call out to all these other gods. And it was there that Jesus had a very interesting question for his disciples. He said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus says, who do people think that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah, some say prophet, some say others. And Jesus then turns the question to them and says, but who do you say that I am? I want you to know this. It doesn't matter what your friends, your family, your mom, your dad believe about Jesus. At the end of your life, the only thing that will matter is who do you say he is? Is he Lord of your life? Peter replies and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Good answer, Peter. He, 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 he nailed it. He got it right, right in the heart of what uh, the gospel declares and God's word declares. And Jesus commends him and says, Simon, yes, but I promise you, you couldn't think this up on your own. That's exactly what he tells him. He says, you don't know this except that God, my father in heaven, has made it known to you. This thought is too high for you. It's too big for you. The only way you know this and can even declare it is because God let you know it. And so the Lord says that to him. And you think, this is a great moment of elevation for Peter. What an awesome moment where he's commended. And the Lord says this, and I'm changing your name now. You're no longer Simon. You're not going to be Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so he gives this incredible promise to Peter. What we often miss is what happens right after that. Because So much of it, it looks so good, and then it gets kind of crazy for just a moment. Peter goes from a pretty high place to a pretty low place and humbled place very fast. Here's what happens right after that. Jesus begins to teach them and says this. He says, I'm going to suffer, and then I'm going to die. But don't worry. After I die, I'm going to raise again in three days. Do you know that? That Jesus predicted his own death. Look what it says here in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke plainly to them, the Bible says. But look what happens here in verse 32. And Peter, say it with me, Peter. He took him aside and he began to rebuke Jesus. Now, could you imagine this? The Son of God, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He says it in one breath, and then right after Jesus is done teaching, he pulls him and says, Jesus, i got to talk to you about something. What are you doing talking about this stuff? He lays into him. He rebukes him, the Bible says. Now, this is so inappropriate on so many levels because, number one, don't you realize who you're talking to, Peter? You just said it. Number two, If you're a disciple and you're following a teacher, you never question him. You never go against what he said. You never call him out. There's there's an honor that they were meant to operate under as disciples. So this is just out of bounds in every single way. Isn't it easy that sometimes a little bit of success can go to our heads? Is anyone with me? And, And with Peter, he's then rebuked. Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. He literally calls him Satan. He goes from saying this, you're Peter on this rock. I will build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. Get behind me, Satan. This is it, right? Are you with me? Do you want, you want to know what happened? It's something that I think happens for so many of us. We live in a day and age, and I, and I truly believe this, that we think sometimes too highly of our own thoughts. We elevate our own thinking so much higher than often it needs and should be. Am I the only one that's ever done this? I've gone to a specialist because I've had a problem. Maybe it's a problem with my car. Maybe it's a problem with my computer. Maybe it's a problem with my phone. Maybe it's a problem with my body, and I have to go to a doctor. And I go, and I sit with them. And then they tell me whatever it is that they think is going on. And then I say, well, what about this? What do you think about this? I think this is going on. As if I know anything about any of these things. I don't know anything about my car, but I still have a second thought about whatever the mechanic or the the specialist tells me about it. Then I go to the doctor, someone who studied longer than maybe I've been alive for this. And then I say, oh, that's good what you think and what all your medicines, but I think it might be this. What do I know? Are you with me? Is it just me or here? Is it just a guy thing? Is this just it, man? Is this just the way we're wired? That we just know it? All the ladies are laughing. This is good. And this this happens. We're elevating our own thinking. And I think sometimes we think we know better than God, if we're honest. God, I don't think you understand what's going on right now. I don't think you thought this through, God. I don't think. and, And we literally start to think that God thinks on the same plane that we do. God reasons in the same way that we reason. And it can find us, some of us, we can get frustrated, can't we? We can get bitter. We can want to give up. We can think that God knows uh, the same way that we know, and that we know as well or better than him. Don't miss this moment. Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus has to rebuke him to turn him around. The Bible says that the Father rebukes anyone that he accepts as a son. It's a part of our growth. Come on, somebody. We, We might be one rebuke from Jesus away from turning our lives around. From, from getting this thinking right, from not missing the things that God wants to say in our lives. Today, as we hear from God's word, my prayers, Holy Spirit, would you prick us in the hearts and the areas that you want to turn towards you? Help us not to run blindly and pridefully against the things that you want to do to shape us, to change us, and to make us the people you've called us to be. Are you with me, church? And so this is what happens here. Peter then is rebuked by Jesus. Jesus turned to him and says, get behind me, Satan. And look what he says here. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. How many of us struggle with that so often? We weigh the things that are going on in our lives from a human perspective, from a very earthly perspective. It's about, I have in mind what's good for me and those around me and my family and my loved ones. And, and he's saying, you're missing it, Peter. You're thinking of this from a human perspective. You need to have the mind of God in this moment. The same one that declared who I was a few moments ago. You need that mind. The Bible says that that's what we should be praying, that we have the mind of Christ. Lord, help me to see and know and understand things the way that you desire for me to understand them. So then Jesus begins to speak. And he said this. All right, come on, everyone. He calls the disciples to himself. And then it says he calls the crowds to himself. And he says this. Let's not miss this this morning. This is everything this morning. Jesus gives an invitation. As I was praying all week, I'm like, Lord, what is this final message of this series? And I just kept feeling the Lord saying, it's the invitation. It's an invitation for those that really want to follow me. It's an invitation for those that want to get off the fence. It's an invitation for those that want to move from being a fan to a real follower and really just commit their hearts wholeheartedly to me. It's an an invitation, and this is the invitation Jesus gives To everyone who will hear him, this is the invitation that Jesus gives that still invites you today right where you are to take a step towards him and say, yes, I'm serious about following you, Lord. Here's what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple, does anyone want to be his disciple today? Does anyone want to follow him? He must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. We're just going to look at these three portions of what he's saying here for just a few moments. The first one is Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, be my disciple, they must deny themselves. Can I tell you that it's easy? It's easy to get into this thing of following Jesus and say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, I go to church. Yes, I give. Yes, I even go on the mission field. I do these other things. I serve. I'm out in the parking lot helping with the parking team, whatever it might be. But we're actually not even doing the first thing Jesus said. It isn't just about confessing him, Lord, Lord, with our mouths, but are we really denying ourselves? I think one of the things that can get in the way of us becoming everything God has called us to be is we're living with one foot in the world and one foot in the faith. We're trying to walk this thing out with one foot on each side. Yes, we want Jesus. Yes, we want everything. Yes, we feel that, but we're torn because there's some other things we want as well, and we know they don't please God. And the whole, this whole faith walk journey is about this, about denying ourselves, dying to ourselves. And I'm, I'm nervous because I really believe that in some ways Christianity has been hijacked by this idea that it's just whatever you want. Have it your way. Some of them are like, yes, I, I know God said, I'm claiming that promise. I promise you, have it your way is not given by the king of kings. It was given by Burger King. That's the promise from Burger King. That's not the promise from the king of kings. He didn't say, have it your way. He said, I am the way. But some of us, but we got this Burger King mentality. We're worshiping a burger place. We're saying, yes, so I'd have it my way. I want it my way. Jesus says, deny yourself. He said, my way. And he said, no, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And get this, no one's going to find the Father until he comes through me. He says there's a way. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. I'm nervous that many of us can come to church and spend all this time and all this energy and we're on a road leading towards destruction because we haven't learned what it means to deny ourselves. The very first step in what Jesus says to be a disciple. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Lord, am I denying myself? Do you want to know what this whole thing is really about? It's about dying to ourselves. That our old passions, our old temptations, our old desires, that they just become stripped away over time. The Bible says this. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that we have a a, a group of people that have gone before us, we have people that love the Lord that we know in our lives and that we read about in Scripture. The Bible says this. Fix your eyes on Jesus then and run after him with everything that you have. And it says, throw off everything that hinders you in the sin that so easily entangles you. So you could run with perseverance the race that he has for you. And here's the thing that I think we haven't done. We haven't cast aside and denied the things that are hindering us from running the race he has for us. And we wonder why we're not getting anywhere. And we wonder why we're stuck. And we wonder why we're not making the progress that we thought we would. Let's go back to this question. Lord, is there anything hindering me? Is there any sin that's so easily entangling me? Because those things, that's real. Are you with me today? It's real and it's different for every single one of us. There are things that are keeping us from the mark, from the place God has for us. And maybe we've excused them for far too long, church family. Maybe we haven't been denying ourselves. Let the word of the Lord just hit you today and say, Lord, yes. If that's me, yes, Lord God. And here's the question you have to answer. Do I want to be a follower of you more than I want this thing in my life? And when you can say yes to that, here's what I know. In the presence of the Lord, he can just bring a freedom. And as you turn from those things, you can embrace everything that he has for you. And he can lead you forward. Amen? So it's about denying ourselves. The second is about taking up your cross. And say, what does that look like? Think about it for Jesus when he took up the cross. Whenever Jesus was going to die on Calvary, they made him, the Bible says, carry his own cross. And this is a form of humiliation, but it was a very public spectacle. He would walk along the roads, and you can literally walk the roads in in Jerusalem, and you could see the Via Dolorosa where the way of Christ, the way that he walked, and he went to Calvary, and you walk and you hit these different moments. Where Jesus carried the cross, and they're in very public places and streets that would have been lined with people. Everyone knew, dead man walking. Now, when they look at our lives, I had a, there's a, a leader that uh, has served here in our church and serves here, and he used to show up at some events and he would wear a shirt that said dead man walking. It always caught your attention. It was a little bit like, well, what does that mean? You know what it means? It means this. My life isn't my own anymore. You know what what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2? It embraces this truth. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you want to know the greatest thing you could do? He gave himself for you. Give yourself for him your whole life. That when people look at you, they could see it from a mile away. You're carrying your cross. You're walking out this thing. You're not living, giving yourself over to all these old things. That person is dead. You're a different person today. So what happened to this? I've been crucified with Jesus. My old life has been nailed to the cross. I'm I'm walking in a new freedom that isn't my own. I'm carrying my cross, and I'm following Jesus. What does that also mean? It means complete surrender to the known will of God. It means complete surrender. Lord, as you make your will known to me, the answer is yes. And you want to know what complete surrender looks like? Before I know the question, my answer is already yes. Before I know what you ask of me, Lord, I'm already ready to say yes to you. Does anyone trust him to that level today? That before he would even speak the request, that you trust and love him enough to say, Lord, I know your will, your heart towards me, your love towards me is real. So before you even ask, Lord, my answer is already yes. I'm ready. I take up the cross, Lord God. Where are we going? Where are you leading me? Whenever we come to this place, and today's an amazing day of celebration, because in just a few moments, people are going to come. Over a dozen people that are here sitting right around you are going to stand to their feet. And I'm praying for many more as well. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to walk out of this room. They're going to walk around upstairs, and they're going to meet me in the waters of baptism. Today is Baptism Sunday. It's a day where we get this whole thing. We understand what it means to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. You know what it means to deny yourself and take up your cross? It means you're willing to die to yourself. You're saying, Lord, the old life is gone. It's buried. You know, the act of baptism, perhaps you've wondered about, like, what that's all about. You go underwater and then you come out of water. Do you know why that, that happens? The Bible teaches it. It says when we go under the water, we're being buried with Christ. It's this symbolism that our old life has been buried. It's gone. It's dead. It's gone. And now when we raise up, we're raised up to new life in Jesus. The Bible says anyone who, who's in Jesus is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed. All things are becoming new. Jesus has made us a new creation, and when we're baptized and we go under the water, it's that symbolic moment of saying, my old life is gone, and when I raise up, my new life has come. I'm here to just live for Jesus and follow him all the days of my life. Baptism is the outward sign of the inward change that's happened in your life. It's a way of showing the world on the outside what God has done on the inside. To say, my life is not my own. I've committed to follow Jesus. For any, a, a, any, are there any men in, in, in the room or any women in the room that have a wedding ring on right now? Would you lift your hand high in the air? Do you want to know what that, what that is? It's an outward sign of something beautiful that happened in your life. And you know what also? It also says who you belong to. You say, whoa, whoa that sounds a little bit weird. I'm talking to husbands and wives saying, I belong to her, she belongs to me. We're connected to one another. We've clung to one We've become one. Do you want to know what baptism is? It's the outward sign that says, I'm with Jesus. I belong to him. We're one. He saved me. He's redeemed me. He's changed my life. It shows everyone around that looks and says, "Nope, I'm with Jesus. He has my heart. He has my life. Are you with me? Here's one of the things, and Pastor Rick, you can come, that I think stands in the way of so many people taking a step of obedience because here's what I want you to know if you've said yes to Jesus if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior the Bible teaches that your next step of obedience is to be baptized in water that's the next step you don't have to there's not about classes it's not about uh, all these other things the Bible says they believed and they were baptized that's it so no no I don't I don't know about that pastor it sounds that sounds too easy if you think the baptism part was easy, no, the salvation thing was easy. You didn't have to work for it. Jesus paid the whole thing for you. He paid the price. He paid a price that you could never pay, and you came, and it's a free gift from God. You're saved by grace, not by your works. And as you come, the next thing you do is you take that faith public, and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you step into the waters of baptism. Jesus commanded. He didn't make it an option for believers. He said... Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the next step. Some of you, it doesn't matter if you've been a follower of Jesus for 60 minutes or 60 years. If you haven't been baptized, that's your next step. Don't wait. Today is a great day to be baptized because we got water. And you say, "But, but Pastor, I didn't bring a change of clothes. We got a change of clothes for you but I don't have a hairdryer, and I don't have this. I don't have, it's okay. Well, I don't have people around. We're filming it, and we'll give you a copy of it. We have, all, I mean, we have all those things. Don't let yourself be talked out of this. If you're committed to this thing, what thing, Pastor? Lord, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you. I want to deny myself, take up the cross, and follow you every day of my life. What does that mean? It means your ways are above my ways means that I'm willing to submit my whole life to you, Lord God. You have everything. Some people think that they can't get baptized because they're not perfect yet. There's still some things that I'm, I don't have it all figured out, Pastor. I don't have it all together. I, I you, you know, I got things in my past. I got, I, I, I'm still the work in progress. Guess what? So am I. So is Pastor Rick, and so is every person sitting around you. I want you, we didn't get baptized because we're perfect. Hear me, hear me. Baptism is not an invitation to lifelong perfection. It is an invitation to a lifelong pursuit of Jesus. That's what it's really about. It's not saying this, that I'm, I'm perfect now, and I'll be perfect all the days of my life. No, no. It means this. I'm going to pursue Jesus with everything I have in me. I'm going to cast aside everything that hinders me. And anything the Lord says that I should surrender, lay aside, my answer is yes, because I want to pursue him with everything that I have. Are you with me today? If you're willing to say yes to that and say yes to Jesus, baptism is for you. Saying, Lord, I'm going to pursue you all the days of my life. Lord God, I'm going to run after you and walk with you and be made more in your image every day as you'll lead and guide me. It's not that I'm perfect, but that I'm pursuing you with everything I have in me. So I'm going to invite you right now, if you're ready to get baptized and you've made that commitment and you're ready, would you stand to your feet and when you start to head outside and head upstairs to the room that's marked for you, come on, let's celebrate with those that are taking that step today. Come on church, let's celebrate. And listen, family, if your family members and friends, they're going to head up. And after they're baptized, and after we dismiss the service, up in our choir room, there's a special celebration. We want you to be there and take some pictures and celebrate with them. But I want to talk to those are, of you that are here, those that were prepared to go have gone, but there's others. You feel the tugging in your heart. And here's what I want you to know. Today, if you're ready, we're ready take a step today. Don't let this day pass you by. If you're ready to be baptized, if you're ready to just begin that lifelong pursuit of Jesus, if you're willing to just acknowledge him and commit your life to him and follow him in obedience, we're willing to do that. We're willing to baptize you this morning. So here's what you can do. Let's all stand to our feet all around this room, and if you're ready to be baptized, head right out in the foyer. We have a team that's waiting out there for you, and they'll be glad to connect with you. They'll give you the clothes you need. They'll help you out in any way that they can, and in a few minutes, we'll see you up there. So come on, church family. Let's celebrate. Let's get ready for what God's going to do, and if you're ready to get baptized, you walk out as well, and everyone else, just stay, stay tight. I don't want anyone to move around. Let's all celebrate together what God's about to do. Amen.